live from the capital of the Commonwealth. This is the Sports Huddle with Bob Black on 1061 ESPN. We're also streaming live at ESPNRichmond.com and on the iHeartRadio app. Call in and talk with Bob anytime at 327-0888. Now, here's Bob Black with the Sports Huddle on 1061 ESPN. You know, I really didn't know what I was going to open with today. AJ had one suggestion. I kind of shot him down. He's mad at me. He's brooding. Who knows what buttons he might hit this afternoon because I didn't want to go down his path. And I really didn't have a path to go down either. And then I heard that last story that Doug Brown just rattled off for you on the ESPN Sports Center update about all the Angels players who got put on waivers the other day and were picked up. And all but one of them got claimed by somebody. Lucas Giolito, Ronaldo Lopez, Matt Moore got claimed by Cleveland. Matt Moore is the guy yesterday who pitched for the Angels and gave up Bryce Harper's 300th home run. And did you know the trivia? That was the year that they were both drafted in the same round. Bryce Harper was the number one overall pick, and Matt Moore was the number two overall pick. What great symmetry in baseball that was yesterday. But why are the Guardians picking up Matt Moore? He gave up home runs. Hunter Renfro was claimed by Cincinnati, dominantly owned by Seattle. The one guy who wasn't picked up by anybody. That, I don't know if that means he's still on the Angels or he's out of a job or what. Is Randall Grychuk, and I watched him for three days against the Phillies, and I'm like, somebody needs to pick this guy up. He was like four for eleven with a homer, run batted in. I know he's only hitting like a buck sixty-eight overall, but he looked like a pretty good player, decent right-handed hitting outfielder, and nobody picked him up. Anyway, that's really not what I was going to open with. Anyhow, you were going to open with Phillies in baseball? No, because what? they're off today, and they're off today, and they lost yesterday. So uh, there will be none of that talk. Although, if you just want to flip the switch to WIP in Philadelphia, Bryce Harper is on this hour live on WIP in Philadelphia. We should be picking that up and just carrying. You know he's going to talk about Chuck from Mount Airy, right? He's definitely going to do that. Hey, Bob, your checks say ESPN Richmond. (laughs) When do I get one of those? What? Really? Huh? No, we don't get one today. Heck, we don't even get one tomorrow. I'm just kind of doing this for the love of the game, I guess. I don't know. That was actually one of three stories, though, that I was going to touch on. It wasn't going to be first until I heard Doug mention it at the end of his uh, Sports Center update there. So all those guys that the Angels, it's not really a fire sale because they don't really get anything out of this. They just lose all the salaries that they have to pay. They don't have to write any checks to these guys anymore. And the one guy who thought was pretty decent, he's still he's still hanging out there. There are two other tweets that as I scrolled down, I was actually going to bring up, and Matt brought up the second one. So that's two stories I've stolen now. Uh, Nicole Auerbach mentioning that the ACC presidents have rescheduled their call for tomorrow morning to discuss expansion and possibly vote. So they're going to talk about it some more, Cal, Stanford, and SMU, and they might potentially vote. Matt has been hard and fast, and I give him credit for this, respect him for this, Uh, and saying that they're still going to nix it. They're still going to shoot it down. Florida State, Clemson, uh, Carolina, NC State, one, two, three, all four of them are still going to say no. And, you know, there's not going to be a swing vote amongst them. They need at least one to swing in order to send it in the direction of expanding. 
So to those schools. Hey, Bob, you know I'm a huge fan of this story, like a diehard <laughs> fan of the story. But I got I got I got like buddies down in Fort Worth connected. They seem to be very optimistic down in Fort Worth. And do they want it? Do they want SM? I guess they would. Do they want SMU going to the ACC? They they do. They well, they're just looking at the potential money yeah. and being on the map. Yeah. No, I get that. I definitely. Definitely now, get that. Texas I mean, is prideful, so I don't know. I don't know if you can trust their optimism when they're so prideful. But yeah. they, but people down there seem to think it is a wrap. You have sources everywhere, don't you? Only in uh, Florida, pretty... Miami, California, New York. Miami is Florida. Texas. <laughs> in, the, in the middle of the country, I got, I'm bone dry. All right. Well, you know the heartland and all. We we can we can find a source out there somewhere. Um, yeah, I mean, going from the the AAC to the ACC, and I don't think they're going to change the name of the conference. They just rebranded and did all this marketing stuff, opened their new office in Charlotte, all of that. Anyway, I would think SMU would be interested in going from American Athletic Conference to the ACC. I definitely think they would be interested in that, but I think you're right. They might be talking with their heart more than their mind here. And like I said, Matt was you know steadfast that it's going to be a no vote, um, I'm I'm a little more lukewarm. Like I said the other day, the longer this thing goes on, the more the legs start to churn and go a little bit faster, I think. So I do think there is some serious discussion coming and perhaps the reversal of somebody's mind in order to vote yes for the expansion. I guess I would say if you were pushing me right now, at the end of the day, I would still agree with Matt. I don't think it's going to happen, but I think it's coming a lot closer than anybody really thought it would when we first started talking about this ridiculous idea. Because let's remember, it's still a ridiculous idea. That doesn't make it bad or wrong or it won't happen, because look at all the other ridiculous ideas that have happened in conference realignment and college athletics. Uh, just because you don't like that story, AJ, I'm going to move on quickly from it. So that, that's all I was going to mention on that. This is kind of a little bit of a, a hodgepodge, a smorgasbord, if you will, to get us started this afternoon. There's our food reference for today. Maybe we'll dive further into it as the afternoon progresses. But here's the one that I really did want to get to. Uh, Nikki Jabala from the Washington Post tweeted this out today, and I'm guessing she has a story coming on it as well. So the commanders have now announced a $40 million investment into your favorite stadium, AJ, $40 million into FedEx Field for upgrades. Here's what the upgrades include this time around. Tell me if this sounds familiar to anybody in the city of Richmond who goes to a certain stadium in this city year after year that's falling apart and we can't get a new one. Three new themed suites. I don't know what that means. Three new themed suites. Does that mean one is going to be like, you know, Disney World, another one like Disneyland, and another one? I don't know. Um, but anyway, three new themed suites. I don't know if that's general public opportunity or if you got to buy the thing for the year, whatever. But they're going to they're gonna build three new themed suites somewhere in FedEx Field. Ticket scanning pedestals. Very good. Let's get caught up to date with the rest of the world. Point of sale upgrades. Don't know what that means either. And updated commander's branding, plus maintenance repairs to the bowl and paint around the stadium. This reminds me 100% of what Parney and crew do year after year at the Diamond 
keep putting Band-Aids on it everywhere possible. They've done a great job with it and still drawing the masses here in Richmond. I don't know if the same will happen for the commanders unless they start winning games to go along with us. And look, I give Jason Wright and Josh Harris and Magic Johnson and all those guys credit for doing this, but here's the other thing it tells you. A new stadium ain't coming anytime soon, right? You're not putting $40 million into a um, horrible facility, um, you know, into that if you think you're going to get a new stadium in the next couple of years. I don't think. Now, some of this they, they would have to do, right? The maintenance repairs, certainly they would have to do. They've already had issues there um, with, you know, the fencing breaking and the leaking pipes and, you know, all of that fun stuff. So they would, they're they kind of forced to do some of this, right? But the rest of it kind of gives me the impression, at least the suites, point-of-sale upgrades, I think that probably means stuff you can get at the concession stands, novelty shops, all of that kind of thing. The branding on at, at FedEx, the paint at FedEx, the you know, all of that. I think they know, and obviously, even if they signed a contract and put the shovel in the ground today, they'd be at least two years out, if not three, probably. And they're not even at that point yet, not even close to that point. So they know FedEx is going to be their home probably for another five years, right? I just By the time they get this done and pick either the RFK site or somewhere in Maryland or somewhere in Virginia and go through all the legalese and all the dot of the I's and cross of the T's, we're probably talking 2028, 27, 28, right? Before the commanders would have a new stadium. So they are starting to put lipstick on the pig to the tune of $40 million. Your ticket prices are going to go up, AJ. Literally. I love your I love your analogy. I was just waiting to use that one. The lipstick on the good. pig thing? That was good. Yeah, no, I, was just, I was just waiting. We've done that with the diamond before, too. But, you know. Anyway, so there you go. Those were the, the three things that I was going to get to today. The, the waiver wire in baseball, uh, the ACC presidents meeting again tomorrow, and now the commander's looking to dress up FedEx. So, I, I mean, I give them credit for doing stuff, but, it, you know, the other side, the flip side of that coin is a shame they got to spend all that money on that, uh, which leads me to believe we're a long way away from a new new stadium. It's a surprising move. I, th- I really thought they were going to go into Washington. Well, they still might. I just think they they know it's several years away before it happens. I mean, it's got to happen somewhere because they can't stay there for sure. Um, that's a total competitive uh, disadvantage. But that's a lot of money, and it's probably not the last time they're going to have to make an investment in FedEx. They're going to have to do continual updates and upgrading until that new stadium is built. All right. Um, well, that's a long way off. Um, our first guest is a short way off. Let's tell you about him and where we're headed on today's Sports Huddle. Here's what's coming up on today's Sports Huddle. Just a huge fan of sports. This is the River City Rundown. River City Rundown. 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 River City Rundown brought to you by the Richmond Chapter of the American Red Cross. Your help is needed for the Red Cross to continue to be on call for local or national emergencies, such as the recent hurricane that a lot of folks just went through, the flooding, the wildfires out west and in Hawaii. To learn how you can volunteer or donate blood, visit redcross.org. All right, I know a lot of you are looking at your calendar. You're going, wait a minute, this is Thursday. Why hasn't Bob said it's a feel-good Thursday with Bob and Sean, and why aren't they in the ESPN Richmond studio, which we are not? Well, you know, the best laid plans of mice and men often go awry, and they did 
today for us. And as it turns out, uh, Sean is on the road, literally heading to a high school football game. And it is a busy Thursday afternoon and night of high school football games. There's a lot of schools play before the long Labor Day weekend. So Sean is actually on his way to cover a high school football game for CBS 6. But he's going to dial in from the uh, CBS 6 chapter. Uh, uh, the chopper that he was in last week from the studio. And he's going to call in here in just a couple minutes to be on the air with us for the next segment when Zach Joaquin joins us from the Times-Dispatch and Richmond.com. He's their high school beat writer. And we're going to have a little uh, cross-conversation between the two of them remotely on the high school games of the day and the weekend. And there are some big ones on this Labor Day weekend. So Zach Joaquin joins us along with Sean Robertson coming up after the break will update you on some day baseball that's being played. And, of course, it's not only a busy Thursday night of high school football, it's a busy Thursday night of college football. Man, we're excited about that. This is when it really gets going. We got a game for you on our airwaves tonight, Florida and Utah at 730. Uh, the Braves play late on the West Coast against the Dodgers. So we're going to sneak them both in for you tonight. It's a big night of high school football, college football, and at least one big baseball series between the Braves and Dodgers out in Los Angeles. So we'll talk more about all of that. Zach Joaquin from the Times-Dispatch, Sean Robertson from CBS 6. Join us next to talk some high school football on the Sports Huddle. As the Braves roll toward the 2023 postseason, there is one goal in mind, a World Series title. They still have plenty of obstacles to clear before that, and you can hear all the action here on your exclusive home for the Atlanta Braves in the capital city. 1061 ESPN, Richmond. That game on this station is part of a busy weekend, right, of college football. Richmond, Morgan State, Saturday here, 5.30 airtime and 6 o'clock game. But we're getting way ahead of ourselves there because there's plenty of football to be played before we ever get to Saturday, both today, tonight, and tomorrow night as well, both at the college level and certainly in our area at the high school level. So let's get started there. As I mentioned before the break, we bring in our two high school football experts to talk some high school football today. Zach Joaquin from the Richmond Times-Dispatch, Richmond.com, and our good friend Sean Robertson from CBS 6, normally co-hosting with me on a Thursday. But, Sean, it's just so busy that we've got you out and about already. I know there is a big-time game tonight, but you're already zeroed in on a day game this afternoon, aren't you? Yeah, the chopper is taking me to one of the area city schools. I'm going to TJ to see Thomas Jefferson and Meadowbrook go at it. Uh, Kickoff is scheduled for 445, so I'm on my way there to see this very interesting matchup that's going to take place this afternoon. All right, fill us in just a little bit. Why do you say an interesting matchup this afternoon, other than the fact that the CBS 6 camera will be there? Number one, Meadowbrook is still a team that is uh, learning to win again. You have first-year head coach in Billy Rudd, an alumnus of the program. He was a part of the state championship team in 2004 with Coach Gold, and it has been a long time since Meadowbrook has had success in this area. It's been since 2016 since they had a winning record at any point in a season. Hmm. They did that last week when they beat Clover Hill. They're looking to go 2-0 and for the first time since 2011. So we're going past a decade. So Rudd has brought a lot of talent, a lot of former players 
to come back and help him coach on the staff. And you've got some players who are hungry. They want to get away from having one win and having, you know, losing records. They want to have that success. They want to have that winning culture back. And they got off to a good start last week, and we'll see if that continues. I guess a TJ team that, amongst the city schools, has been the most successful. Six straight playoff appearances in non-interrupted seasons. Of course, in COVID in 2020 and 2021, RPS schools did not have a season, so they didn't play. But other than that, they have gone to the playoffs six straight years. They also have a new head coach, Coach Harris, Eric Harris, who is the offensive coordinator for the Vikings. Last year, they have moved up in class from class two to class three, a little more uh, area of talent that they'll go against should they make the playoffs this year. So this is going to be their first step to see if how successful they will be in the move from class two to class three. All right, and Zach, let me bring you in on this conversation because I know this is a game that you featured in the TD this week, Meadowbrook and and Thomas Jefferson. I guess one of the other angles of this game, Zach, is that it is uh, the unscheduled opener, right, for TJ, for Thomas Jefferson, because their game got canceled last week against Huguenot with all those threats of violence and everything around that game. It is, yeah. That was a tough situation for both programs, and I'd had a chance to to speak with both coaches leading into the season, and Thomas Jefferson was obviously scheduled to graduate after Huguenot back in June uh, when the the tragedy befell the Huguenot community with the graduation shooting, and so I think both coaches and programs had hoped that that game could be a source of healing for the communities after what they went through recently, Um, and obviously it was originally postponed on that Thursday uh, before it was canceled on Friday after Police found that the, the threats of violence that had come about on social media seemed credible, and obviously they didn't want to put anyone in a dangerous situation to, to play a high school game. Safety was the number one priority there, and so TJ will kick off this week, and I believe Huguenot doesn't until next week now. They were scheduled to, to have an off week here, and so both programs kind of just got to refocus. Um, and obviously you're, you're frustrated as players and parents not to be able to kick your season off when you were hoping to. But safety is the number one priority. And, 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 Sean, have fun over there, man. TJ is one of my favorite game day environments. Always you got kids looking out of the classroom windows up and you got people lining the fences over there. And so that should be a really fun environment today against Meadowbrook. They will all want to get their faces, smiling faces on camera when Sean points that, <laughs> that camera at them for sure. Zach, how about between the white lines? I know Sean detailed it uh, pretty well, but anything else to add on this Meadowbrook-TJ game before we move on to a couple of the, the real headliners this weekend? Yeah, a couple really strong running games. Uh, Meadowbrook had a strong start to the season on the ground last year behind Donovan Jefferson, who was one of our 804 varsity player of the week nominees, had 18 carries. 204 yards and three touchdowns in that win over Clover Hill. Uh, he was electric with the ball in his hands. Look for him to be the focal point for the Monarchs today. And then on the flip side, the Vikings bring back a 1,000-yard rusher from last year, Deshaun Stovall. And for their classification, I think one of the big things to watch for TJ is how big that line is. For them playing down in Class 3, they've got some linemen that are the size of Class 5 and 6 linemen, 300-pound uh, kids, Tamarian Nobles and Xavier Artis, both tackles on that line. Look for them to get a big push and TJ to try and run Stovall behind those two guys consistently. And I think offensively it should be more of what you've seen successfully for TJ over the last few years because Eric Harris, the Virginia Union, Virginia Union alum, was the offensive coordinator last year and he was now elevated to head coach. So some good cohesion for the Vikings there offensively. Look for that attack to not skip a beat and for both teams to try and establish it on the ground. 
All right, intriguing one there, getting underway this afternoon. TJ at home against Meadowbrook. Uh, all right, Sean, is the, is the uh, chopper leaving that game and, and following Route 5 down to Thomas Dale and, and picking up the L.C. Bird-Thomas Dale game because we got the Battle of, the Battle Chester. of Chester tonight at 7 o'clock. No question. Looking forward to that matchup. Both teams, L.C. Bird and Thomas Dale, coming off impressive victories. Last week, Bird started the season last Thursday, 45-12 victors over James River, and the rushing attack for the Skyhawks continues to impress. They had over 400 yards on the ground against James River. In that game, I think all six touchdowns were via the ground attack. I've had Coach Troy Taylor, and then when you've got Thomas Dale off a 35-0 win against Cosby, led by Ethan Minter. He's got good receivers on the outside of Jacob Seaborn. And also Nick Tyree, really good offensive line. And you got Bragging Rice. These two schools separated by, what, six, seven miles off of Route 10 and Iron Bridge. Uh, it's going to be very intense. And the two coaches, two alums of their current programs, Kevin Tucker and also Troy Taylor, should be a really entertaining game tonight down at, uh, at, at Ed Carpus Field. i got to get that correct. Ed Carpus Field tonight at 7 o'clock. Absolutely. Zach, what do you like about this game? Oh, the intensity. My goodness, it, it, it's one of the best rivalries in the area. I know that the Great American Rivalry Series, which highlights some of the, the country's premier high school football matchups, has highlighted this game before, and I believe they're doing it this week again because it's one of the best rivalries not only in the area uh, but in the state. Uh, Rashad Lewis and Sir Paul Cheek are the running backs for Bird that, that Sean was referencing there. They had three touchdowns apiece last week as they really got going on the ground. And I think for a, a few years now, as Troy has really got that program going in a strong direction, that's been kind of the central thrust, is, is getting that bird ground game back to, to what it was and, and what people think of as L.C. Bird football back in the years that they were winning state titles, and that's dominating the game on the ground and everything else works off of there. But for Dale, uh, Sean said it, Ethan Minter um, is one of the most accomplished high school players around uh, right now. He's got a bunch of records over at Thomas Dale for touchdowns and yards in his career. He's a lefty dual-threat quarterback um, who's, uh, who's going to go play college ball at Virginia. Not sure yet what position he's going to play at Virginia, but he's going to be a Cavalier. Um, and that's a really explosive Dale attack. And so Bird has got to try and limit the big plays. I know last year Dale won at Bird 32-21, and the X factor was really just the explosiveness of that Dale offense with Steve Horn and Nick Tyree. They've got tons of speed at their receiver positions, and so if they can get their playmakers – out in space and get some chunk plays, then it's going to be tough for Bird to keep up because they're going to try and control the game on the ground and make it a bit more of a slugfest. So I think Bird wants to muddy the waters a little bit and make that game uh, you know, a battle on the ground and a probably lower scoring, more of a defensive struggle, whereas Dale's happy to get up and down the field and get the passing game going and be more explosive. So if we get up into the high 20s and anywhere near 30s, it's probably going to be a game where the script uh, affords itself to Dale a little better, and Bird's going to try and keep it a lower-scoring game. But, man, if Bird can get the ground game going and they can control the clock a little bit and have lots of possession, then there are number seven team, Dale's our number five team. This could be a really good football game. Absolutely. More than really good, actually. And, and, hey, this is more than really good. I love what you guys are doing this afternoon. I mentioned that to AJ. I, I could just be a traffic cop here and steer you guys as you're on the road getting the games. This is the, this is the easy part. So I'm, I'm going to keep doing it because I, I hope our audience is enjoying listening to these rundowns as much as I am right now. Uh, so that's the Thursday 7 o'clock game. It gets even better, I think, Friday at 7 o'clock. I know a lot of schools are playing tonight and staying off of the Labor Day weekend, but these two aren't, and they'll be in the spotlight tomorrow night. 
tonight. You got in your poll, Zach, so I'll start with you. Uh, number three, Manchester, and number one, Highland Springs tomorrow night at 7. Wow. It's been one of the premier matchups of the area for for a few years now, right? Everyone wants to see Manchester Highland Springs play the Lancers or Region 6A. Runners-up last year, Highland Springs, obviously the reigning Class 5 champions, and they make the jump up to Class 6 this year. And so now these teams are in the same region with that. It's kind of a, a new element to this matchup here. But starting with Highland Springs at home, it's, it's Christian Martin, right, who's our reigning co-all-metro player of the year, uh, along with Harry Dalton over at Dinwiddie, both quarterbacks that led their teams to undefeated state titles last year. Martin, a fantastic decision-maker, great accuracy. He'll spread the ball around. He won't make rash decisions. Uh, and they've got lots of speedsters in space. Oh, my goodness. I mean, that stands out every year. And it really stood out in this game last year when Jakari Henley had some huge plays for Highland Springs. Uh, Ian, Noah Jenkins, George Lovelace, just a few names of the weapons that they've got. If they can get their playmakers the ball in space, then they're going to break off lots of chunk plays. But a new name, I think, to keep an eye on here that really burst onto the scene last week in Highland Springs, a 20-14 win at Miramar in, in, in Florida, which was a great road win at Coach Lauren Johnson's alma mater. Down there in Florida, Eric Berg, who's a sophomore running back, had 100 yards and two long touchdown runs in that game. Uh, he's an explosive athlete and seems to be a guy that's breaking onto the scene right now for the Springers. And then defensively, Brennan Johnson uh, was the state defensive player of the year in Class 5 last year. He flies all over the field. He's the heart and soul of that defense. And then cornerback Tamandre Braxton had a key interception last week. He's the lockdown coverage guy. In the secondary and for Manchester, Landon Abernathy. Uh, one of the area's best pocket passers, really accurate. When they can give him time to throw, he can pick a defense apart. Devin Bryant is the running back there, a really rugged runner. They'll try and establish him on the ground to get the Highland Springs defense to come down into the box a little bit and give Abernathy some work to, uh, some room to work with there uh, in the secondary. And then Makai Byerson on the defensive side for Manchester, West Virginia recruit, all-metro defensive end. He's going to try and cause havoc in the backfield and he should be the x factor here if he can spend enough time around martin to get that highland springs offense off script then he'll give manchester a chance i think and one of the big priorities for highland springs will be keeping byerson uh out of the backfield allowing their offense to operate he's a special talent at the end position Mm -hmm. hey uh uh sean and uh, zach mentioned you know they're coming off of that win down there in florida you think that game has any impact on this game either from you know all the the hype that surrounded that game down there in florida the travel that they're not really used to as as high school kids or the mere fact that they're high school kids that's behind them and they move on to this big one today i think the fact that they're high school kids bob number one and also lauren johnson uh, I spoke to him this week, and he basically said that game is in the rearview mirror. That page has been turned. Their focus is Manchester this week. They knew the challenge last week was. They were able to take care of that. Their focus is on a really good Manchester team this week. They're loaded from top to bottom. Um, they're one of our, I think they're third in our poll uh, this week. And uh, that's what Lauren Johnson said. That, that game is... That game's in the rearview mirror, and their focus is solely on Manchester and what they can do uh, uh, tomorrow night against the Lancers. And one, one other note, I think uh, Zach hit the nail on the head about Makai. He's got to stay on the field. A lot of that game last year, he was bothered by cramps, and he was not on the field mm-hmm. a lot. He's got to stay on the field and be relatively healthy and limit the amount of cramps and limit the time he was on the sideline. That was a big factor, I thought, in the game last year and one other note i was doing some research and maybe zach can help me out with this i think this is the matchup with two the two winningest programs in the richmond region 
offense, they both won a state title in 2018. Holland Springs has won 60 games in that span with two state championships, and Manchester has 50 victories since 2018. So a combined 111, 110 victories between the two over the last five-plus years will be going at it Friday night. Zach, what do you think? Does that sound right, those numbers that Sean is uh, crunching there? <laughs> that, that sounds exactly right to me, man. Two of the area's premier programs, and everyone, Sean, everyone's been clamoring for this matchup over the last few years. Yeah. I feel like since that season that, that both of these teams went on state title runs, I don't believe got a chance to play in there. Everyone was saying, oh, we want a, a championship of Richmond high school football game, you know, between these two teams. And so I think this has kind of become a – a matchup that's representative of, of that kind of a championship of the 804, although I'm sure some really strong Verina and Trinity Episcopal programs would have something to say about that as well. And, and the fact that they're now back in the same class. You know, a couple years ago they were both in Class 5. They had a chance to play in a regional final, but COVID hit. The game never took place. Now they're both in Class 6. This game is going to go a long way in maybe who hosts a regional final, who gets a, an extra added point in their standings going into the playoffs. So we may get an opportunity to see this matchup again in the postseason if everything uh, plays out after Friday night. All right. That one is Friday night at 7 o'clock. So two big ones tonight at 7 and tomorrow night at 7. Sean, I know the chopper is starting to get ready to land and get you to the TJ game. Let me finish up with both you guys. Uh, and I know you probably don't have it in front of you, but I'm sure you've mapped out your coverage for the weekend. Is there another game or two on the docket this weekend? And as we've all said, it's a busy you know Labor Day weekend of high school football that you're particularly looking forward to or of interest um, to you as we move through the Labor Day weekend. Uh, Zach, why don't I, why don't I start with you on that one? Yeah, a couple. One tonight, Godwin at Patrick Henry. Ashland is always a really tough place to, to go and get a win, and, and they, Godwin started off the Earl Kinney era uh, with a big win last week, and uh, I want to see if they can continue that momentum. Earl Kinney, a longtime local assistant who's got tons and tons of respect and admiration in the coaching fraternity in the Richmond area. This is his first head job and started off with a win at Godwin last week. want to see if they can go to PH and get a win in a tough environment, quarterback Daniel Viner for the, for the Eagles with a really strong start to the year. And then on Saturday, I think this game is getting kind of lost in the shuffle because it's Saturday night at 7.30, but Trinity Episcopal is at Archbishop Hoban. And, and Sam Mickens, the, the Trinity coach, was texting me earlier in the week. Archbishop Hoban ranked number 23 in the nation, I think, by Max Preps. That's an enormous test for Trinity Episcopal, and if they can go get a win there, then that will be incredibly impressive and I think would – would force all of us to perhaps reevaluate how we see them in the local hierarchy. I think we've got them at number four right now, um, and, and they've kind of been bouncing between two and four in most of the rankings votes that I've seen. But if they go and get a win at Archbishop Hoban, then that'll really turn some heads. Yeah, that game out in Ohio, you mentioned it, uh, Saturday night at 7.30 for Trinity Episcopal. Uh, all right, Sean, another game or two that will be uh, high on the rundown in the uh, final score Friday night uh, program that you and Lane Casadante will have coming up. I'm going to tell you what, if I wasn't going to the Battle of Chester tonight, the chopper would be going to Verina. I want to see this Freedom team uh, who scored over 100 points in a regulation game last year. No overtime, no you know extra periods. They scored over. They broke the clock. They broke the scoreboard <laughs> in regulation in a regular season game last year. They're going to Verina tonight at 7 o'clock, and that's a very interesting matchup because – of the hype of what Freedom did last year and the fact they are the reigning Class 6 state champs. 
They go to Verona, two years removed after winning the state championship in Class 4. Coming off a big victory last week against Indian River on the road. Um, some new faces with Verina, a new a new looking team for head coach Marcus Lewis. So this is a strong test, an early season test against the defending champs in Class Six. So I'm gonna pay attention to that one. And actually, Saturday, the two city schools going at it. You got John Marshall mm-hmm. looking for their first victory under new head coach Chip Howard against not George Wythe, but Richmond High School for the Arts, formerly George Wythe. Two city schools meet a new era for head coach Jimmy Hart, as now it's not George Wythe, it's Richmond High School for the Arts, trying to get that first ever victory under the new name Saturday afternoon at 1 o'clock. Woo, big Benedictine time Benedictine games. at Western Branch, another one tonight to keep an eye on for sure. Chance for the cadets yeah. to, to really show out against the reigning Region 6A champ. Tremendous and, and real quick, Real quick, Bob, I like these matchups with private schools going up against public schools. We mm-hmm. hear the chatter mm-hmm. a lot. I know Zach has heard it a lot. Public schools not really getting an opportunity or not wanting sometimes to face a private school. But now we're seeing that a lot this year. And last year there were a few games. And this year it's been ramped up a little bit more. And I kind of I do like that to see a public school, private school matchup. Bragging rights, but you kind of get to see where the talent is across the board on both sides in the state. Guys, I like this. Let's do this again. This was uh, really fun. Very informative as much as anything else. Last 20 minutes, I learned a ton about the high school matchups this weekend. Uh, let's do it again when time permits. Uh, Sean Robertson, CBS 6. Zach Joaquin from the Times Dispatch, Richmond.com. Thanks, guys. Thanks. See you later. Uh, Thank you so much for having me on, guys. We'd we'll love to do it again. All right, will yep. do. Thank you, fellas. The chopper has landed at TJ for uh, Sean. I should have asked Zach, like, uh, what's his mode of transportation? Times dispatch, give him a limo or something, or uh, I don't know. to get uh, Maybe he's just an Uber from game to game. I don't know how he gets there. Uh, anyway, you can read all the coverage uh, on Richmond.com of these games on the Richmond Times Dispatch, and then Sean and Lane covering it for, the, uh, for Channel 6, for CBS 6, and they'll have their final score Friday show uh, tomorrow night with all these games going tonight tomorrow and as both guys mentioned a little bit into saturday as well all right that was a great segment really enjoyed that uh, we'll do it in the future hopefully with sean just in studio with me on a thursday thursday a really good day to do that to preview the high school games and we'll try and keep doing that because we know a lot of you are interested a lot of you are parents that have youngsters who are out there playing ball and you love hearing about your kid and you love hearing about your teams as well so we'll keep that thread going through the course of the uh, high school football season all right break time for us way past the break aj will juggle it around we'll get caught back up here in just a moment approaching 440 already on the thursday afternoon it is now a feel-good edition of the sports huddle this saturday the spiders return home when you are opens their 2023 season at robin stadium versus morgan state at 6 p.m don't miss any of the action on your home for spider athletics all season 1061 espn richmond for some it on the sports huddle bob black back with you here again hosting remotely as it turned out today we were all intending on being in the studio and some things didn't work out there and sean's on the road so i am hosting remotely aj is running the show for us in our producer's booth at espn richmond 804-327-0888 
eight. You just missed him, Reggie, but, you know, Sean had to get out of the chopper and get the camera and get to work this afternoon. How are you? Bob, I'm calling to congratulate you. Skip Bellis ain't got nothing on you, man. I was <laughs> impressed. That Syracuse education is top notch. Way to go, future Hall of Famer. Bob, you sit in the seat to take the heat. You you was a control cop, man. I tell you, where you let the two men not step on top of each other, get great information. I said, way to go, Bob. Way to go, Bob. It was not that hard, really. You have two good guys like that talking high school football. You know what you do best there, Reggie? You get the hell out of yes, the way. Sir. That's what you do. You remember the old Give saying, Give them the lead. ball and get out of the way. Right. Lead, follow, or get out of the way. And I know how to get out of the uh, way. And I got out of the way. No, no Bob, seriously, you did a great job, man. Learned a lot of information, and, and especially with the high school. But, Bob, I have to ask a question now. Some of these baseball games, Fans jumping over behind me with the late Hank Aaron hitting the famous home run. Then two guys are hot-footing around the corner, patting them on the back. I said, you got to be kidding me. What are we going to do about sports and some of these fans getting over jealous and running onto the field? Well, what they're getting is over drunk is probably what they're getting. Oh, and no. I, mean, I think we've, we've cut it down to a minimum. I guess you're never going to be able to totally – knock it out because it just I don't know you'd have to have security around every field all the time I think the NFL does about as good a job as anybody with those security guys you see them on the cameras all the time that are on the sidelines most of them have their back to the action they never get to watch yeah. any of the game because they're watching the crowd that's about the and I don't know how you do that you know in a sport like baseball the one that really worries me i mention this all the time reggie is the nba is is professional basketball yeah. and they put those fans right up on the court there's no barrier whatsoever you know security is in the corners but you could get on you and i could get on the court quicker than security could get us at an nba game automatic month in jail maybe i mean i think that's <laughs> possible i i i definitely think that is that's a possible deterrent you're absolutely right aj hey bob i i saw the problem Go How? get your police dog and say, go fetch. Well, yeah. You get a couple of police dogs out there, I guarantee you, they'll think twice. They can't have some fat boys running around falling on the field <laughs> telling them to security guys. And they talking about, oh, 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 boom. No, they can't have that. You, you those, better just hope dogs. that those police dogs are highly trained and they don't yes, mistakenly sir. go after somebody that they shouldn't be going after. That that would be a worry. I think you'd hear outcries of, oh, it's a police state. It's a police state. We can't live like that. Hey, I, I think it sounds yeah, good it. in theory. I think AJ may be on to something a little bit more, although after five or six beers, you probably don't care or remember that the penalty is a month in jail. You'll sober up real quickly. Yeah. I get that. But I think we're getting close. To the best we can possibly. I loved when TV stopped showing them. You know, it was always fun to listen yeah. to the announcer. Uh, Kevin Harlan's great at it, and they show the guy stumbling, bumbling, fumbling, and then they tackle him. And but now they don't even show it anymore. And I think that helps too because they know they're not getting yeah. any publicity out of it. Yeah, like I say, you got a police dog one time, go fetch. People yeah. think twice. Yeah, they're so bad with those teeth. <laughs> <laughs> no, bad idea. Why don't you throw in the hose, Reggie? Can I tell you so, something, guys, though? That, uh, that it's really, I have a buddy of mine, and we just had lunch a few weeks ago, and he told me a yes, story. Sir. He was minding his own business, walking through a casino in in Vegas, in the middle of the day. It wasn't even at night. 
and there was a security dog who was not totally trained and harnessed, oh. and it actually attacked him and bit him. And, be, and then the handler hey. called him off. But he literally was just walking down the hallway of the casino, and for whatever reason, the dog thought there was something there and took one one snip at him. I mean, it, it created, you know, the blood and hey, all of that. I, 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 had, I had one question. Who was his lawyer? Exactly. <laughs> exactly. He better get, like, Compton. Okay, I'm probably spilling more than I should spill, and I certainly won't mention his or her name, but but they did get a lawyer out there in Las Vegas, and as this person said oh. to me, that lawyer was chopping at the bit to take this case because he knew he was going <laughs> to get a win for he or she. So, but that's my point, though. You could have them all you want, but you better make sure they're only attacking the bad people and not the innocent bystanders. That's yeah. a tough one. Yeah. That's a tough one. I say one time a police dog gets yeah. that field. I know. And on TV, people think twice. They Go will. fetch, boy. Go fetch. <laughs> Reggie, you, you take a police dog attacking you to, like, get comped for a VIP in Vegas, wouldn't you? No, sir. Not with those razor-sharp teeth they got. <laughs> exactly. No, sir. And AJ, hey, I he better to get stop being husky, and I got to fight with him. Yeah, he, he or she better—they better be getting more than just that. Let me put it that way. That that case yes, is still sir. unresolved, and I'm probably, as far as I know, and I'm probably talking way out of school here, so I'm going to shut up on that one. But but that is a classic example of why there probably aren't police dogs in every corner of an NBA arena or end zone or foul pole because you do worry that you know maybe the dog mistakens the guy on the field for the person just getting a beer in the stand. So I don't yeah. know. But we do have to stop. Appreciate it, young man. All right, Reg. Thank, Thank you, you, sir. Thanks, Reggie. Uh, and, AJ, I do like your idea. And like I said, the guy or gal who's going on the field probably is feeling no pain at that point because they've probably had plenty to drink. Uh, 30 days in the clinker would uh, would sober you up pretty quickly, I think. All I know is I'm going to lather myself up with buttered sausage next time I go out to Vegas. <laughs> Oh, my God. Just so you can win a million dollars? I'm taking one for the team, gentlemen. We got this. That is a a true story, and I won't go any further uh, because I know they didn't think I should be mentioning it all, but it it was perfectly timed with what Reggie was talking about. Yeah, but Uh, like, don't you think like a month and four or five different people having to spend time a month, like I think it'll be a deterrent. And then if you do it again, two months, and then keep going to it. Isn't that already? I mean, what's happening now to these like idiot, the two idiots that attacked uh, uh, Ronald Acuna well, the other day? That's different because that's assault, right? I'm just talking about any coming on the court. Yeah, I think there's already some sort of jail sentence. They say for, that. Mid- yeah, I know they do. I you're follow right. up on some of these, and they're out in like a day or two. Day, yeah, I, I know you're right. They're out in two days or three days. Or so. I, I got you. No, it should be longer. I agree. It, it, that's it's it's pure trespassing in, in its purest sense, right? And it's it's written probably on every ticket, digital or printed, and it's 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 announced. Nobody pays any attention to the public address announcement, but it's announced before every game and every sport. It is. There's yeah, no I doubt about like it. it. I, I think it's very dangerous. It's bad. It, it is no doubt about it. Time and a place for everything. Uh, time and a place for us to get a break in here, then we'll get to the top of the hour. We're rolling along on a Thursday afternoon. Thanks for locking us in on 1061 ESPN. It's not much of a divisional race in the NL East, but hey, just ask the Mets how that worked out for them last year. The Braves still have plenty of work to do, and you can hear every broadcast here on your exclusive home for the Atlanta Braves. 1061 ESPN Richmond. We are uh, rolling quickly here to the 5 o'clock hour. Uh, Zach and Sean did a great job with a 
extra special long segment on the high school games tonight, tomorrow, and over the weekend. So we will definitely do that again moving forward for sure. Uh, tonight, uh, we have a doubleheader for you, actually. Uh, college football tonight, uh, 8 o'clock kick, Florida and Utah. And then we'll pick up in progress a little bit, the Braves and Dodgers tonight. And that is the opener of a huge series, right, between the two best teams in the National League. You could argue the two best teams in all of baseball. I guess the Orioles might have something to say about that. But I think you could argue the Braves and Dodgers' best teams in the major leagues, let alone the National League. Uh, Lance Lynn pitches for the Dodgers tonight. Spencer Strider for the Braves at about 10-10. So pick that game up a little bit in progress after the Florida-Utah game tonight. So that's a heck of a doubleheader on our airwaves. And I I remember talking earlier in the week that there's been a tough trip for the Braves. And if anybody can handle it, they can, right? I mean, they started in San Francisco. Then they went to Colorado. And I thought that was just easing them into returning to the East Coast. And they'd finish up in Colorado, get a day off, and come back and start a series in Atlanta. But, no, the Major League Baseball schedule maker sent them back to California, and they'll be at Dodger Stadium over the weekend. So good for us, good for baseball fans, because that should be a great series. I'll probably tune in a little to that and a lot of college football uh, I'll be watching tonight. We'll go through some of the other games that are being played. I tell you one that I'll peek in on, on uh, Flow Sports of all things. Uh, not the easiest streaming service to access, but it's available. And that's the William & Mary game tonight, since we talked about that a lot this week. William & Mary and Campbell uh, CAA game. Some of that is job-related, obviously. And I'll be intrigued to see just how good William & Mary is because they are ranked in just about everybody's top five in the nation and the preseason favorite in uh, the Coastal Athletic Association. So that's our doubleheader on our airwaves tonight. Florida, Utah at, I guess our airtime is 7.30. The game is uh, just a little bit after 8. And then when that one finishes, we'll get to Braves and Dodgers on the Braves Radio Network out in L. And tomorrow on our program, uh, Danny Rocco is going to join us tomorrow. The head coach of the VMI Kedets, former head coach at Richmond and Liberty in the Commonwealth and at Delaware, also in the CAA. They open Saturday against Davidson, the start of the Danny Rocco era at VMI. He'll join us on tomorrow's program. All right, that does it for Hour 1. Thank you for joining us in the 4 o'clock hour. Hey, when we start the 5 o'clock hour, I want to pick up on something that specifically Zach talked about, Zach Joaquim, in our high school segment with Sean, and that was the canceled game from last week and some of the repercussions that they're feeling moving forward with games there this week and this year. Pick up on that when we come back after the top of the hour ESPN Sports Center update, plus much more on the college game and all the contests that begin tonight. AJ and I are coming back next on the Sports Hub. We're going abroad for the first time in 